Bitcoin is like digital gold. Like gold would be like the dinosaur version. Bitcoin would be the digital version. Not only does it hold storehold of wealth, but it literally has a higher rail system that allows you could have a credit card by any of the four large credit card companies. It's actually a debit card, custom card with your Bitcoin on it. And you could go to a restaurant, slide it through their merchant account, their merchant system, and the high rail system will turn your Bitcoin into USD and make a purchase. You're listening to Ice Cream with Investors, a podcast that is dedicated to teaching you how to better invest your money so that you can live a more intentional life. I'm your host, Matt Four, and it is my goal to teach and empower you to remove the roadblocks to your financial success. All right. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today we have on Blake Templeton. Blake is a seasoned real estate investor and cryptocurrency hedge fund manager who is passionate about helping his investors invest confidently into alternative asset classes like blockchain technology, cryptocurrencies, and specific sectors of real estate. Blake serves as the CEO of Boron Capital, which is a family of investment funds. Today, I'm super excited to pick Blake's brain around the insider track on how successfully he's producing triple digit returns in the cryptocurrency investment space. So I'm just going to stop right there and say, Blake, welcome to the show. Hey, Matt, I appreciate it, man. I'm excited to be on here. I love uh, I love the ice cream dynamic. Uh, I think you've got a really good show. Look forward Absolutely. to it. Well, thank you for that. Well, we start with the difficult questions here. What is your favorite ice cream? It would have to be Keto double chocolate fudge. Do you follow keto diet? Yeah, man. Keto through and through. My wife has found some um, desserts, some some ice creams that are like no carb, no sugar. I'm like, man, this is heaven. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. I um, we're recording this early March. Just got done with Whole Thirty in January. So nice. I wish I could have found that because no sugar, no carbs, and no processed uh, milk would have been on the Whole Thirty diet. And I was craving some ice cream during that time. <laughs> Um, well, tell our listeners, Blake, what's the scoop? What do you do today? Yeah, uh, 10,000 foot up big picture. We've been in business 15 plus years, 365 plus real estate transactions. At this point, obviously, we've started back in 06, without a penny to my name. We've grown and scaled since then. Uh, I run two hedge funds. One is in self-storage mobile home parks. So investors come in, they essentially have all their principal back seven years, and then they stay in the deal and have an infinity return. It's a legacy property, um, refinancing out, getting tax-free um, proceeds. There's a pref, lots of cash flow. It's amazing. Um, then we do, we have a cryptocurrency hedge fund. And man, that's what I'm really excited about, uh, where the market's going. Uh, we have our management team's been in place um, for two years, um, you know, almost two and a half years. And uh, we manage a deal with lots of strategy that's just no one's doing right now. And we're just taking a lion's share of the profit. So it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited to get there. But before we get there, we focus mostly on real estate here. So we got to ask, where'd your real estate journey begin? Yeah, man, I was a college dropout without a penny to my name. Didn't know I couldn't just defer student loans anymore. So I had to humbly move back in with mommy and daddy. And my parents got a letter in the mail and I uh, went to this real estate conference and I was hooked. Um, they were selling a program, obviously, and 
I didn't know anything about anything minus, you know, swinging a hammer, you know, to build something, but I knew numbers. And I was like, I didn't really know that I knew numbers until it just like, it was just alignment. And I realized that, man, I could do formulas. This is like, I can do a copy paste, you know, situation. So we started in single family um, in foreclosures and pre-foreclosures. And um, man, I just burned the bridge behind me and uh, paid for speed, got mentorship. And uh, first nine months, uh, we had taken in enough pre-foreclosures, stopped the foreclosure, short sell the houses, and then put them under contract and then did a double closing and flipped them and made six figures. And my parents were like, you know, can you do that again? You know? And so then we started, uh, we started doing wholesales consistently and then doing some full renovation flips and then uh, got really good at doing that. And then in 2012, went to commercial real estate. So started in corporate housing and built my first development in the oil industry. So a fully furnished housing, all bills paid, and then got into apartments and uh, multifamily and wedding venue and, you know, doing a lot of different things, looking with one single focus though. And that one single focus was what is the most scalable place that we can actually build a portfolio of real estate. And every niche we went into was with that mindset to build scale. Because what I find out from most real estate investors is they go in with a big dream and then they settle with paying the bills. And so it may be like, yeah, I have a hundred thousand dollars of cash flow, blah, blah, blah. But they just they stop. And I was like, man, I just I believe I have a purpose bigger than myself. I believe I want to I want to change the world. I want to do something big. And I know I'm going to have to have more money than just pay my bills. And then obviously we've got inflation and there's there's nothing hiding right now and how bad inflation is. And so the realization is, is you're going to need way more money than you ever thought you needed moving forward. We're at, you know, 15 percent inflation and thirty five point seven percent of all the money printed in the history of the United States, 35.7% was printed in the last 24 months. So, I mean, it's the interest rate, the uh, inflation's gone catabolic. And so I just realized, man, you're always going to need more. I want to live for something big. So we started focusing on hedge funds where we could scale. And uh, that's been, it's been really, really beautiful helping investors scale their exponentially in their retirement. Portfolios. I, yeah, you said a couple of things there around the the massive money printing we've done over the past two years, fifteen percent inflation versus um, historically two to three percent. So you're you're laying some ground tracks, and I want listeners to know that you're laying some ground tracks for our Bitcoin conversation. But before we get there, there's two things that you said that I really want to uh, highlight out. One, you said you pay for speed, which is by far one of the best ways I've I've heard somebody express paying for mentorship. People like Blake have already been through this before, so you might as well learn from the best. And knowing uh, knowing some of the interviews that you've done, sounds like you've been in some pretty powerful rooms, um, but also refinancing out the debt. So I, I didn't want to breeze over that point. So your strategy is to go in and buy these properties with investor capital, uh, improve the properties through NOI or asset value appreciation with the market, and then refinance it out return that capital back to investors. And then essentially that capital not having to be paid on because it's in the form of refinancing out the debt. Is that right? Because that's that's a very interesting strategy. 
Yeah. So in the um, self-storage and mobile home park fund, that's exactly what it is. What we ended up doing prior was we would always do your value add and then flip the property. And uh, we had a property in Atlanta, Georgia, um, apartment complex and um, investors made somewhere in the, you know, 20 some odd percent on their money and year over year. And uh, we, we go to sell the property and they're like, man, we don't want to sell the property. And, you know, it's the idea of like, we found, you know, this is such a good one. We don't want to lose it. Yeah. And so we just realized that, you know what, we've got to build a strategy that's way better because we couldn't scale because obviously every, you know, three to five years you're selling it, you found the treasure and now you got to go sell the treasure. So yeah, the, 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 I would, I would tell you that in 15 and a half plus years, this is like, it's revolutionary. Um, it, it, that's this. So it's a hedge fund with, you know, let's just say 13 to 20 properties, depending on the price. And they're, they're all 20, they're all, a, you know, a 10 million to 35 million per property. So say 300 plus or minus million dollars in a hedge fund. And it's a legacy hedge fund. So in self-storage, we're able to, there's very low maintenance. And so we're able to hold on to the property and scale the property and appreciation, massive appreciation, you know, five to 7% increase on rents every single year. And on apartments back in the old days, I mean, if you owned it too long, you're in trouble because you're going to have to do a massive remodel on everything just to get the new rents. So you couldn't do it in apartments, but in self-storage, it could. And then mobile home parks, we own the land and they own the homes. Mm -hmm. Well, that's brilliant because now the, the average tenancy is like five years because they can't leave because it's too expensive for them to leave. They don't want to leave. So we just create world-class on the fencing, the roads, the, you know, the lighting, and we, we give them a community versus a trailer park. And so these are two asset classes we can scale and own continually and never sell. That's beautiful because then on cost segregation, on the cash flow is practically tax free. And so they're receiving cash flow. And then when they get all their money back, because we refinance out, we have low leverage. So we go in at 50% LTV. So we're low. Um, loan to value. And then typically about se seven years in, sometimes way sooner, but we refinance out, refinance out, meaning we had enough appreciation to then refinance the investors out, leave the investors in an ownership position proportional to their interest, and they stay in the property forever. Now, here's the cool part. Not only did they get their money back, but now every three to five years, we refinance again because we were low to leverage or we were at, you know, say we go from 50% to 65% on a refi. So in three to five years, we can do the same thing again. And it's, we realized it was the same amount of profit to refinance as if we were selling that one-off syndicated property. And that profit got distributed to the investors is now tax-free, all of it, mm -hmm. yep. because it's a loan and it's not actually 
a sold property. So now they're receiving tax-free income forever with an infinity return because they have no principal still in the deal. Yeah. I mean, you said it best when you were talking about finding a hidden gem, a treasure chest out there. And why would you go sell that? The the hard part was finding that deal, get it under maintenance, get it under contract, get it, getting it done. So why would I want to go sell it? And most funds out there typically sell their property right in that five to seven year time frame, And they'll tell you all these reasons why, but the main reason why is because the tax benefits have written off of it or run off of it. You do the cost egg in the first year, You're right. you, you wipe out the, uh, the consequences of the, the cash flow coming in. And then in five to seven years, since those are gone, you'll have to sell it and go find something else. What you're doing is you're refinancing the property out, get distributing that capital back in the form of a non-taxable payment because it's debt. So that is absolutely genius. Blake, you've talked about single family, corporate housing, apartments, self-storage, and mobile home parks. And when I was thinking about your journey, you started at single family in 2006, then went into apartments in 2013, which most people will know 2022 apartments are very, very saturated now. So you're ahead of that trend. You were ahead of this corporate housing trend before Airbnb really became a big thing. Sure. And then you were ahead of this self-storage and mobile home parks, which is a, as it's starting to become a very well-known niche right now. What, why did you decide to do the changes that you did? And did you spot anything in these asset classes that made you say, hey, that's an underappreciated asset. I'm going to go dominate there before it becomes quickly adopted and then move on to something else once it's oversaturated? Matt, I love your questions. Um, They're really, uh, it just shows the depth and width that you have. So I appreciate that. To give you a direct answer, our whole entire firm is based on a three-dimensional mentality, a three-dimensional investment mentality. And so the first dimension is being um, God-given wisdom. And I know through all the optics and metrics, because I'm the number guy. I know the analytics. I know the optics and metrics. I'm, I'm the guy who loves the competitive analysis. I know that I still don't have enough wisdom. I can't lean on my own understanding because there's so many things that um, can be falsified in the, in the numbers. Or I can get check marks, you know, all the green check marks and all the optics and metrics, the 13 different things that we look for. And then it still not be correct because um, something was twisted in the numbers or something in the market changes. So like I've got to actually be sourced by a different, uh, a different source of wisdom. And that's, I believe that I'm a strong Christian. I believe that's God. So everything we've done, it's been like the lamp before my feet. I just go to God. I am not that smart to, to be in the position that I am. And, and, uh, and I would just say it's, it's the wisdom of God. And the, the, second, um, the second dimension is actually it's tangibles and um, never buying a tangible for a tax write-off, never buying a tangible um, because you had an, altern- um, an alternative reason, um, but always looking for a, um, economy of scale and then realizing that if I can't build economy of scale here, then I need to go somewhere else now versus later. And when the market gets saturated, clearly one, you can't have economy of scale and two, you're going to be buying too high. And if you still, if you stay there too long, then you're actually losing opportunity cost. And then three is just, you have to create exponential wealth. So every single property, you can't have a, um, 
our focus is, is we never, ever invest in the um, bread and butter deal. Like that's what I did when I was a mom and pop single family guy back in, you know, uh, 2006 we, in, in, in commercials that you never, ever do a bread and butter deal. There's no such thing as a good bread and butter deal. It always has to be an out of the park hit because with inflation at 15%, um, just to actually keep up with inflation, we have to, the investor has to make 15%. Then I got to make 15%. So you always have to have a deal that is so good that uh, everyone would want it. And that's where we got really, really granular and why the two hedge funds, um, that's all we focus on. Yeah, I th- Warren Buffett, I think, explains that best too. And in, in his investment philosophy is essentially assume that you only have 20 investments in your entire life and just wait for that pitch that you can hit on one of those 20 investments. Good stuff there. Clearly a lot of knowledge in the real estate space. Now I've got to ask around cryptocurrency, Bitcoin. And if you're in a tried and true hard asset like real estate, why did you make the shift to cryptocurrency that um, is new, developing, and some would call a risky asset? Let's start there. And then I want to get yeah. into like, what is it and defining it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I go back to the wisdom of God. So always being sourced and realizing that we all have blind spots. So like for those of you who are in video, you can see my hands. I can't see my hands. These are my blind spots. So we always understand that I have to have his wisdom because I got blind spots. And then we all have bad rules and bad beliefs and the bad rules and bad beliefs are subconscious. So 95% of everything we do feel or think is subconscious. So then we would have to then step out of our natural condition of man, where we fall asleep and, you know, become a machine. We'd have to step out of the natural condition of man and say, you know, like I just got to listen to God's wisdom. And so we started looking at um, cryptocurrency back in 2017, and it, it was too volatile. There wasn't legs. There wasn't the ability to actually turn it into something constructive. So it wasn't until 2019 that it actually grew legs, that it actually became something viable. And obviously, it was Bitcoin at the time. And Bitcoin, I would say, you know, the prior decade, it didn't have legs. So it, it wasn't for me. And it had to be um, something that held value. So quick picture of why we went into cryptocurrency is because it became digital real estate. It became where we could buy low and sell high and then hold something with legacy value with, um, with being able to work with the taxes and keep taxes down. And if I was to give you a a good analogy for those of you who are like, you know, really don't understand what it is, except all the drama on the news. Um, I've got an iPhone right here and the iPhone to Apple brand and Apple's a software company. Google's a software company. Amazon is really a software company. So you might say like, no, they're a grocery store mixed with brokeraging stuff, but it's a software that allows all that to happen on autopilot. The Apple's a software company that so happened to create a product that has a system in it that runs on autopilot. So everything is software. Bitcoin is software. The iPhone is software. The iPhone has a platform called the the Apple Store, the App Store, and Bitcoin, which is a software, 
has a platform called the blockchain. Apple has a platform that's the app store and inside it, there's businesses. And those businesses are something that I can utilize. And then I would pay for them for their services. Bitcoin, again, the software has a platform called a blockchain that has businesses on it. And the businesses that are on it, people buy into the services and the services then actually um, create value because they've, re they've received money. So the velocity of the money, the more users who buy apps, I mean, there's so many apps. Some of us, like you have auto renew on some of your apps in the app store. And you're like, oh, shoot, it auto renew. I don't even use that one anymore. So as the value of Apple, the reason the value of Apple goes up is because one of the reasons the platform of the apps, the value is going up and they're getting 30% of it. Okay, the same thing happens on the blockchain. So all cryptocurrencies don't have a blockchain, like the Dogecoin. Some coins um, don't actually work this way, just like some businesses don't have real value. They don't have real, there's not velocity. They're not selling enough stuff to pay for it. So lots of coins will disappear. 95% of coins will never make it. There's over 16,000 coins. So that's when you hear all the drama. What's important to understand is that the coins that are real are software and they have blockchain, they have app stores with businesses on it. And so what we do in the hedge fund, we realize, my goodness, this is like stealing candy from a baby. We can actually go into the back office, public record. We use certain softwares to be able to do that. And we see like, wow, this one's undervalued. Who cares what the news says, the drama this one's undervalued. I see the velocity. I see how much money's moving behind the scenes. And so we then invest into that and realize the gains. Or we see one, we see a cryptocurrency that um, doesn't have as much adoption. It doesn't have as much um, potential value, but the narrative looks really good. So we don't believe it's going to actually grow long-term but the drama on the news is saying, yes, it's going to be amazing. So we'll ride that narrative like we're buying low and selling high on real estate. But this is simple to do. If you actually have an, you know, analysts 24-7 behind the scenes in-house doing this. So it's just an early adoption right now where, where this, you know, for the next decade, this is just it is it's so rich. So we've been in the hedge fund. We have a portion, we hold Bitcoin, and then a portion, we're trading the narratives. And then a small portion, we have leveraged trades. We're just like, this is a, a no-brainer, and it's a 10 to 1 ratio or something. And so um, what's beautiful is when it's done in a hedge fund like this, you have so much control of, where you, of strategy. So when, let's say... Um, in January, we took a 30% bloodbath in the stock market and crypto and everything. Well, we were able to pull out of the market and then we can stake into a USD coin and make, you know, 11% a year and hold and just wait as the market goes down. And then at the bottom, we can 
buy back into our same positions and be in the, be where we want to be, or we can recalibrate and redistribute a new strategy. Bitcoin is like digital gold. Like gold would be like the dinosaur version. Bitcoin would be the digital version. Not only does it hold storehold of wealth, but it literally has a higher rail system that allows you could have a, um, a credit card by um, any of the four large credit card companies. It's actually a debit card, custom card with your Bitcoin on it. And you could go to a restaurant, slide it through their merchant account, their merchant system, and the high rail system will turn your Bitcoin into USD and make a purchase. Same thing happened with the um, Ukraine and Russia um, situation. Everything gets shut down with all the banks. Banks can't actually, people can't fund anything with, with banks. And $52 million in a week came through cryptocurrency and was donated to the Ukraine government for aid for their people. And it, it tells you a couple of things. One, it tells you that money can move. No one can control it. You have sovereignty and freedom through digital currency going back and forth, whereas the U.S. dollar couldn't do anything. All the banks were shut down in Ukraine and Russia. And so then it shows you the culture. Um, people three, four, five years ago were like, man, cryptocurrencies for criminals. Well, this is a very, very clear picture that cryptocurrency is for the ones who are rebelling from the system that's being destroyed. Cryptocurrency is for those who actually want to have a future and want to have freedom. Cryptocurrency is for those who want sovereignty and don't want to be controlled and have their dollar devaluing at, you know, 15% a year, which, I mean, if you have, if you just had a hundred grand in the bank and you sit there for the next five years, you would only have let you have less than fifty percent, less than fifty thousand of buying power left. I mean, it, the U.S. We've just never been here before. No one understands this. It's that bad. We are really in a position where we're going down fast. And so, cryptocurrencies for those who actually want a life raft out of the um, current system that's causing massive problems for your uh, retirement and your cash flow future. Man, there's a lot packed in there. And I've got like a page of notes on how deep you just got, not only in cryptocurrency itself, Bitcoin, but some of the strategies you're using to increase your returns. I guess I, I want to go, I want to start at the educational piece and your analogy on the app store and different businesses on there. And um, the, the app store is essentially the blockchain, the different businesses in there, are the different cryptocurrencies is by far one of the best I've heard. Um, and I am definitely just calling it out right now that I'm going to steal that as my own. So <laughs> with your permission, I would love to go around telling people this great analogy and pretending like it's my own, but they, they should listen to this episode and know it's coming from you. When you said looking behind the scenes, so I, if most folks understand that, so the app store then you've got Bitcoin, which is an app that you can download essentially in this analogy. And as an example, that's not the way you do it. But in this analogy, when you're looking behind the scenes, are you looking at that blockchain technology and basically saying, hey, what's the velocity of capital on that blockchain or what's the velocity of money on the blockchain similar to in this analogy? What apps are out there being downloaded a ton in the app store right now, but you don't know about, but you can see that, holy smokes, 100,000 people, 200,000 people, 300,000 people just downloaded this in a day, a week, 
or whatever timeline. Is that similar to what you all are doing when you're looking at the behind the scenes? It's a a both and just to be specific, the analogy of the iPhone was like um, Bitcoin and Bitcoin has its own blockchain and Bitcoin has its own businesses running on it. And so that would be why um, certain coins uh, we can see um, we can see a certain coin that it has it's tried to create a blockchain. It, it has businesses running, but there's only, let's say, 100 transactions a day. And yet the value is, you know, a thousand dollars a coin. Yeah. And so we would see like there's not enough money moving. So like in this building that I'm in, um, let's just say it's a thirty five million dollar you know, office building and, but the office building, the guy who just bought it for 35 million, let's say it's only 10% occupied. And the previous guy had been trying to actually rent it for the last year. And let's just say no one moved in. So he's, let's just say I'm paying, you know, $10 a month rent here. Well, if we looked at the, the public record of, you know, the financials, we'd be like, Oh no, this is not the construction approach. Cost approach means nothing like no one wants it. It's worthless at the moment. It's only worth, you know, a couple hundred thousand maybe. So we would see looking at the financials, looking at the back end. And so um, that's part of it is we can see what's happening inside the actual apps, the actual businesses inside that software, i.e. inside Bitcoin or Harmony or Cardano or, you know, Ethereum. And, and then um, each, each uh, coin has its own strategies. And um, so we're watching what they would say, and then we're seeing, are they doing it? And if they're not doing it, that would be like, you know, Apple saying, um, we're going to make, um, we're going to produce new apps that are free and they're going to help you, you know, put gas in your car or something. And then they don't do that. And you're like, Mm -hmm. huh, they didn't do it. So then you start finding like, oh, they're inconsistent. Oh, well, my, my phone's not even turning on to get to the app store. Oh, that's weird. Uh, you know, oh, it costs more now than they said it was going to be for these apps or so we're looking for inconsistencies. We're looking for integrity. We're looking for sustainability. We're looking for um, is there an actual dominance of adoption? So it's one thing to have on the front side of the of the narrative and the in the news, and to, you know have a, a high a large influencer talking about it. Okay, that's all fine and well, but what's happening behind the scenes? What's the velocity? How much is moving? And so most people get caught up on the front side, and we're looking at the back side. Yeah, this is this is a great talk right here because I think most of our listeners know I am probably at the 201 level now with cryptocurrencies and layer one, layer two, and layer three. And this That's essentially what you're talking about, smart contracts. And uh, are they fulfilling those smart contracts? All of that is public record on the blockchain, right? Um, and we're gonna, I'm going to point back to this episode to explain layer, those concepts later. So mark this one down if you're listening to this today, because there's a lot of good things that might be over your head right now, but I promise we're going to we're going to have a lot of educational stuff around this in the future. When you look at your net worth specifically and your portfolio, how much of it is involved in cryptocurrencies versus equities versus real estate versus cash? 
and you just percentage wise, not asking for dollar amounts, but I'm just trying to gauge, like, you seem to be a guy that continues to be ahead of the trend here. Um, and I, I want to try to understand your, your position in your portfolio for cryptocurrencies versus real estate versus cash versus equities. Yeah, really good question. I think it's important to know that it's always evolving right. and um, we are very, very, very bullish on cryptocurrency and most importantly, how it would be strategically, sustainably strong growth in a hedge fund. So 50% real estate, 50% cryptocurrency. And the only thing I have in cash is the cash flow. Equities, we don't do equities at all. And let me explain the way stocks worked. And so before then, if you actually owned a, sh a share of Coca-Cola, you actually owned part of Coca-Cola. After that, they removed ownership from shares, stocks. So if you own stocks of Coca-Cola, you have no real ownership of the company that actually builds revenue which means there's no correlation between the stock price and the actual company. The actual company, good example, in, in COVID, everyone's at home and everyone's drinking tons more Coke because they're at home. But the price of the company, Coca-Cola, should have gone way up because the value of people drinking tons more Coca-Cola. Unfortunately, the, the price dropped like a basket of all the stocks just were depleted. Why? Because they're not correlated to the actual company. So all I have to say, we don't do any equities, um, no stocks, no bonds, nothing in that world. Clearly, we wouldn't do gold because of it's, it's the dinosaur of the digital world. As we're transitioning over the next 12 months, I would see it to be 75%, um, 25% real estate. It doesn't mean we're selling the real estate. It just means we're we're throwing all of our new cash here and the value is growing so much that that it that would be the ratios. If I was to give someone a answer of um, where where to put your money now, you got to ask two questions. You got to ask um, one, where are my current allocations and am I outpacing inflation? So where are my current allocations and am I outpacing inflation? You have to outpace inflation. Regardless, so if you're not making more than 15%, you're getting poorer. Even if you're making cash flow of 10%, you're getting poorer. Okay. Second question is um, Do I actually buy into the digital world that everything is going digital? And so it's important to understand the more we go into a 3.0, you know, internet, we, we everything on the blockchain, everything's going the blockchain. It's important to under, know, understand that you won't understand all the dynamics. So everyone, the problem with everyone on cryptocurrency, they're trying to understand the technology, all the, all the ins and outs and the idiosyncrasies. The deeper you go down the hole, the less you understand. Um, and it was never been, it wasn't never made for you to understand everything. For example, um, your credit card. When you first got your first credit card, maybe you were 13, maybe you were 27, whenever you got your first credit card or your first debit card, when you first slid that credit card or debit card to get gas or groceries, you never, ever understood how does this piece of plastic thermodynamically transfer and bend energy to then tap into my bank account. And how does that not get done by someone else 
with a different car that they fake you know, was fake. You never you're just like, oh, plastic works. And so that's how all um, the blockchain technology will be. People will be voting, utilizing blockchain software. All voting will be done in the blockchain where literally you can see every single person who's voting. Dead people can't vote. There'll be no like fake, you know, bubble this in. That won't happen anymore. It'll be all on the blockchain. Real estate, doing a transaction, the deed, the warranty deed will be filed on the blockchain. Mm -hmm. The courthouse is dinosaur. All the, you know, filing things at the courthouse, it'll all go away. Um, so healthcare, uh, microfinance, e-commerce, you know, when you and I buy something on Amazon with a click of a button, we never think about all the ins and outs of software and the coding of how it all works. So the big point is, is everything is going. That's the second question. You have to just ask yourself, do I believe that securities, record keeping, digital currency, smart contracts, is, is, that's, that's the way of life. And obviously, I mean, if you guys are investors, you know, um, and you know, Matt, yeah, I, I would agree that you guys have been, you know, you've adopted the understanding that there's a, a wave of change happening. So then you'd always want to be leaning, how might I put more and more into the digital world? And how, how can I do that sustainably? Yeah, that that's it right there, right? Like I, you said 95% of coins probably will be obsolete um, at some point in the future. I actually disagree. I think it would be 999 like a majority Very of this possible. stuff will be out there. However, what you are talking about, this shift to Web 3.0 will absolutely happen. And for the people that say it won't happen, you're trying to hold on to a past and you will get so far outrun if you don't start at least trying to understand the blockchain and things like that. Now, should you invest or should you not invest? I don't know. That's up to you. But I will tell you that cryptocurrencies and the ability to send things over the blockchain like $52 million to Ukraine in, in a matter of seven days is going to happen. I just can't tell you the vehicle that it's going to happen on. So you might as well start learning about it now. And um, Blake, I'll say, we got to have you back on to talk about this evolution more in depth, because clearly I, I've got like a page full of notes that I want to ask you questions for, but I want to be cognizant of your time. Um, so I'm going to switch us now to the five toppings, which is our last round of questions here. Our first one is, what's your favorite book or what's a book you've read recently that's given you a paradigm shift? A really good book is scale um scale by jim Ho uh, jeff hoffman scale i was looking for it. i was going to show it to you uh, scale is a powerful book so if you're an entrepreneur in business one key takeaway inside the book talks about the 80 20 principle everyone's like i know the 80 20 principle but he basically breaks it down um 80 percent of 80 percent of 80 percent and then 20 percent of 20 percent of 20 percent essentially what that means is you have a time b time c time and d time and your a time like your most effective, most powerful, most exponential um, money-making time is typically about 1%. So 20 of 20 of 20. And so how can I get more of this and less of this D time, which is your least productive time that someone else can do or you can quit doing or be more organized to get rid of? So anyway, powerful, powerful tip in the book, Scale, um, Jeff Hoffman. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I've heard that concept before. Like if you look at the 80, 20, even your 80% of that 80, 20 has an 80, 20 and then that 80%, et cetera. Yeah. So, um, our second one is I believe that the person you become 10 years from now is directly correlated to the things that you do every single day Absolutely. and the habits that you have. What's something that you do every single day? 
I have a really strict morning routine where I do empowering statements, visualizations, um, worship out loud, and then pray out loud. So empowering statements is basically reprogramming the bad rules and beliefs and then um, worshiping out loud. Like it's so good to get the convictions of down deep in you out outside of you. And uh, so this is my morning routine. These four things, empowering statements, worshiping out loud, praying out loud and visualizations. So I, I go into a visualization. I visualize what I want before it happens so that I have actually rules and beliefs of believing it's going to actually happen. Yeah. You can definitely tell you've been in the room with Tony Robbins more than one time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I like it. Um, Our third one is what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, I would say that the secret to your future is hidden in your morning routine. Yep. Yep. Secret to your future is hidden in your morning routine. I love it. I love it. Um, Go check out the Miracle Morning. Just a quick book plug there. His story one is phenomenal, but also I agree that you want to win the year, win the quarter. If you want to win the quarter, win the month. If you want to win the month, win the week. If you want to win the week, win the day. There you go. Um, Our fourth one is what's the thing that you're most proud of in your life? I would say the consistency of transforming the way I think, the way I feel, not allowing circumstances to take over my emotions. And that's the, I mean, what a travesty it would be for uh, me to have a thought in my head that's not in God's head about me or me to have a thought and or an emotion, a negative emotion about my circumstance that God doesn't have about my circumstance. So changing the way I think to be more aligned with him. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, our fifth one is if you could sit down and eat a bowl of ice cream with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, man, that's a hard one. That's a really good question. I think it would be, I would want to spend time with someone that would bring grounding to me. I mean, I think it would be a crazy phenomenon to spend time with one of the forefathers of the country and uh, to go back and look at like, what was the grounding? What was the position of your thinking? What was the purpose behind um, the, uh, the, the you know agenda of the, declaration of independence and um, gain some grounding and purpose on earth from that standpoint. Yeah. I like it. I like it. And the, the first uh, time we've had that answer on 72 episodes here. So I like <laughs> it. Um, well, Blake, fantastic conversation. i absolutely want to have you back on to talk more about web 3.0 and some of the things we're seeing there specifically around the metaverse. Cause I, I, you know, that's the whole conversation in itself. We didn't really even touch on, but if our listeners wanted to reach out and wanted to learn more about you, where's the best place we could point them? Yeah. The best place, um, text me directly. Um, I've got a number, you can't call it unfortunately, but you can text it and I'll respond directly to you. Um, so pull out your phone real quick and it is 877-771-0615. So you're going to text the word invest to 877-771-0615. When you text invest, I'll know you guys came from Matt and I'll take good care of you. So if you're interested in um, self-storage and mobile home parks, diversification against 10 to 15 properties in a single hedge fund, so it gets some massive diversification, large appreciation, 
if you're interested in um, getting into cryptocurrency and you want to actually be a part of something that's sustainable where you don't have to do all the legwork and you can see the massive growth and um, so forth, again, text INVEST to 877-771-0615. And I'd love to be of assistance. Perfect. We'll make sure we link that in the show. And Blake, look forward to having you back on in the future. Hey, I enjoyed it, man. You're really good at asking good questions. Thank you for listening to Ice Cream with Investors. If you like what we serve you here, it would mean the world to me if you would like, subscribe, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app.